mute button's a great thing. Good morning, everyone. My name is Nathaniel. If I haven't met you yet, uh, I'm part of the team here, and I work with our young people here at BPCC, and I have the privilege of opening up God's word with us today. But first, uh, let's just take a moment to uh, pray again and thank the Lord for the fact that we, we have his word. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for bringing us here today, Lord. Thank you that you're an awesome and mighty and powerful God. Thank you uh, that you've given us your word, that you've spoken to us through scripture, Lord, and and told us about yourself and told us about how we can uh, live in light of what you've done, Lord. Lord, we pray that your spirit will come here this morning, that uh, you'll work through me and work through my words, and Lord, you'll shape and touch each one of our hearts uh, and change us to be uh, more like you, Lord, to to be uh, altered into the image of who you are in the light of what you've done for us, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen. So last week, uh, Adam kicked off our sermon series we're in at the moment titled Union with Christ, the most important truth you've never heard. And in this series, we're talking about the new life that we have in Christ, the nature of our relationship with Christ. Last week, we saw that this is a relationship of such closeness, such intimacy, that it's like the relationship of a, of a vine to its branches, like a husband to the wife and like a head to the body. We also saw that this relationship is similar to how a person travels in an airplane. What matters is being in the plane. In the same way, being a Christian is about being in Christ. We're talking about union with Christ. And this week, we're going to be exploring how union with Christ gives us a new identity. When we talk about identity, we're talking about our self-understanding. We're talking about our answer to the key question, who am I? Have you ever noticed how so many of the stories we love revolve around the search for identity? The search to answer the question, who am I? For example, Pinocchio, he begins his life as a, a wooden puppet, but he's told if he can prove himself to be brave, truthful and unselfish, he can become a real boy. So he goes off on a quest to prove himself and become a real boy, a quest to find his new identity. He eventually does prove himself and he's given a new identity as a real boy. Or Cinderella. The girl who begins as a slave to her stepfamily, but by the end of the story has a new identity as a princess. Or Beauty and the Beast, the bad-tempered monster who ends up with a new identity as a heroic prince. The theme of identity dominates so many of our cherished stories. And that is because the search for identity dominates our lives. How do you answer that question? Who am I? What comes into your mind? Who are you? What, what things, what characteristics would you use to describe yourself? The truth is that we are most tempted to define ourselves based on things like what we have, what we do, where we live, what we drive, what we wear, our possessions, our jobs, our homes, our cars, our clothes, our bodies. These are the things that we tend to describe ourselves by. But the Bible gives us 
a very different answer to this question. The Bible gives us an answer to this question which is simple but revolutionary. It tells us that our identity is not found in ourselves but in Christ. The Bible says that when we are united to Christ by faith, we receive, like Pinocchio, like Cinderella, like the beast, a completely new identity. An identity, however, that is found outside of ourselves. It's not found in what we have, what we do, where we live, what we drive. It's found in Christ. And it's only when we understand who we are in Christ that we can begin to make sense of our lives and we can begin to live as God intended us to. So it is so important for us to understand this new identity we have in Christ and that's what we'll be exploring today. What is our new identity in Christ? And what does that mean? How does that change our lives? We see answers to these questions in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 14, which is a passage which clearly shows us our new identity in Christ. So I'd like to read this passage for us and then we'll unpack it together. Uh, I'm reading from the ESV, that's Colossians, 3, chapters, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 14. So feel free to turn there with me or it'll be up on the screen as well. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things down on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing as you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, Kindness, humility, meekness and patience. Bearing with one another and, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So verses 1 to 4 describe for us the new identity that we have in Christ and why that is so important. Have a look at the phrases which Paul uses there. He says, we've been raised with Christ. He says, your life is hidden with Christ in God. He says, Christ who is your life. When a Christian answers that question, who am I? Their answer is, I am in Christ. Which means, 
Christ defines me and my understanding of the world. In fact, Paul is, well, this is what Paul is talking about in these verses. He is talking about our new identity, which gives us a new mindset. A mindset is like a grid which filters everything that happens to you, everything around you. Our mindset defines the way that we perceive and interact with and understand both ourselves and the world around us. And this new mindset that we have in Christ is one which interprets our lives in light of who Christ is and what he has done for us. This means that we approach every area of our lives wanting to please and obey Jesus. And let's just admit, this is very different to what we're told day in, day out. The Bible tells us that to find our identity in Christ is to obey and live in Christ. The world tells us that our identity is found in ourselves and we should just obey ourselves in our own desires. I think that this modern mindset was captured really well in the children's movie Frozen. Uh, If you've got kids, I'm sure that you're very familiar with Frozen. If you don't, it's it's a popular kids movie and there's this one particular song from the movie which took the world by storm. Uh, you definitely don't want me singing, that's what the worship team's for. So here's, here's a verse from Let It Go. Can't you see what I can do To tax the limits and break loose No right, no wrong, no rules for me Now, there are some positives to this message, right? It encourages kids to be happy and stretch their limits. But the message of the song is essentially that you can and you should just choose and make up your own identity. You should just cast off every external authority and expectation, just ignore all the rules and just be whoever you are inside. And this message is told to us on repeat. We can choose our own identity. You can decide who you are and you can decide what is right and what is wrong for you. And on the surface, this sounds kind of palatable, right? But in reality, this, this message of our culture is a really unhelpful and harmful view of our identities. The message of, the, of our culture is that you can find meaning in yourself, which sounds really nice, but is full of problems and leads to paralysis. When you're told you can do anything... Where do you begin? It can lead to feelings of inadequacy and anxiety and depression as we strive to find happiness in ourselves, which we never, ever find. When you're told that you can and should do anything and everything, what happens when you're confronted with the ordinariness of everyday life? If it's up to you to make something of yourself, what happens when you fail? Or what happens when something you're working towards doesn't work out. The message of the world puts huge stress and pressure on us to find a way to create meaning for ourselves, to create an identity for ourselves. But in reality, there is right and wrong and there is good and bad and we don't have to define what that is. We don't get to define what that is. God created us. He created everything and he gets to define who we are and what is right and wrong. 
And there is a design which God has woven into the fabric of the universe. And this is why true freedom is not just doing whatever you want. True freedom is not found in ignoring the rules and casting off all restrictions. True freedom is found in finding the right restrictions. This is why Jesus says in uh, John chapter 8, If you hold to my teaching, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. A fish is only truly free when restricted by the confines of water. A fish in a fishbowl is dead if the boundaries are shattered. A fish in the ocean is dead if it's taken out of those confining boundaries of the water it's in. A train is only truly free when it is confined by its tracks. If it's off the tracks, it's definitely not free. A human is only truly free when they know and love the God who created them. Uh, Rankin Wilburn, he's a guy whose book on this subject we're bouncing out of a fair bit for this series, he sums this up really well. He says, Which boundaries will set us free? Union with Christ tells us that Jesus is the centre and circumference of authentic human existence. Jesus is the centre in that we can't understand ourselves without understanding who he is and what he has done for us. And Jesus is the circumference in that he sets the boundaries of what it means to be human. Your real identity, your real self, is waiting to be found in him. Our identity is given to us in Christ. We don't need to build it ourselves because it has already been achieved for us. There are many choices, but the most important choice is thy will be done or my will be done. You might recall the uh, the TV show Australian Idol, which was famous for the controversy around how Shannon Knoll was robbed of winning hit TV show Australian Idol 2003. In that show, competitors were sang to win songs and the only contestant who got made it through to the next round was the best person who sang, the best person as voted by the panel of judges. And in such a high-stakes competition, a single wrong note meant that you lose. The pressure to perform perfectly was immense, but after winning, the victors sang one last song with all their heart, and because they've already won, there's no fear of failure, and they can sing with all the passion that they have. And that's what our lives look like when our identity is in Christ. Our meaning and validation is found in Christ and what he has done. And so we can live our lives full in, and in full confidence of what he has done because our identity is not found in what we do. It's found in what he has already done for us. When our identity is found in ourselves, our own personal performance and achievements are the point of our lives. That's what provides meaning to and justifies our very existence. But union with Christ means that we are part of something immensely bigger than ourselves and that our worth is not something which we need to build or earn ourselves. Our lives and our stories become enfolded by another story, a story that we don't have to craft. This is our new identity in Christ. Union with Christ tells us we have permission to rest. Union with Christ tells us 
we don't have to justify our existence by our own work. Union with Christ is the antidote to our discontentment and dissatisfaction because when we are in Christ, we are fully content and fully satisfied. Union with Christ tells us that we are free. Union with Christ tells us that God is closer to us in a more real and intimate way than we can ever know. This is who we are right now in Christ if we have our faith in him. And that's a stunning reality. Who am I? I'm in Christ. We are loved by God, accepted by God, embraced by God in Christ. Which answers our first question, what is our identity? But what about the next question then? What difference does that make? How does that change my everyday life? Which is an important question, right, isn't it? Because we do struggle to make these truths stick. When push comes to shove in the hustle and bustle of everyday life, it's really tough to actually live a changed life in the light of these truths. How do we set our minds on Christ, set our minds on things above and keep on setting them there? Who here has seen the movie The Princess Diaries? Uh, This particular movie brings up a lot of scars for me. I've got four younger sisters who loved it as kids and we only had aircon in the lounge room where the TV was. And so over summer, I saw this movie a lot more times than teenage Nathaniel would have liked. But the mental scarring aside, this is a movie about a girl called Mia Thermopolis who lives an ordinary life in America um, until one day that she is actually a princess, the heir to the throne of Genovia. And Julie Andrews, her grandmother, shows up and suddenly she's got this new identity and she has to learn how to behave and act like a princess, how to correct her posture and speak formally about wearing new types of uncomfortable clothing. And hilarity ensues as she struggles to adjust to her new identity. And this is kind of like the Christian life. We have to learn to put off, as Paul says, put off the old clothes of our sinful selves, our old identities. And we're told to put on the new clothes of our new status in Christ. And this is what Paul goes on to tell us in verses 5 to 14, the last part of that passage. He tells us what this looks like practically. So let's look at that. Let's look at these marks of our old self, our old clothes, and then of our new self, of our new clothes. Because our identities in Christ lead to real change in us. Our union with Christ is like signing a marriage contract. It's a legal truth that's turned into a living truth through the living out of that relationship. Now, I've got no experience in the area. I'm sure that there are many of you who are much more experienced than I am. But I've gathered that there's a lot more to being married than just putting a ring on, right? It involves putting all those nice, flowery words from the wedding day into practice. Those promises to love through sickness and in health, to remain faithful to each other alone for life, they're only meaningful if they're lived out, right? They're only meaningful if they're put into practice. And in the same way, our identity in Christ is not just something we say about ourselves. It's seen in the way that we live. There's more to marriage than just wearing a ring and there's more to following Christ than just picking Christian on the census box. And so in verses 5 to 14, Paul describes this. 
He describes what we look like before Christ first. If you remember, uh, and there's the, there's the verses up on the screen again, he talked about things like sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Now these things are really familiar and relevant to us in today's culture, right? Because our own passions and desires and our love of other things, idols, above God, these are the things which our world, our culture, is built on and actively encourages. We're told to embrace whatever sexual desires we have because our sexual identity, we are told, describes who we are as people. Now, sexual desire is hardwired into the human psyche and not evil in itself. But Paul focuses on sexual sinfulness here because his culture he was writing to back then, just as it does today, fueled and encouraged sexual abandon. Our culture tells us to embrace our passions, to find happiness in doing whatever we feel like doing. And then there's this covetousness here. Now this this word for covetousness is also translated as greed. And the NIV application commentary has a a really helpful little way of describing this. Uh, It says, Greed refers to the haughty and ruthless belief that everything, including other people, exists for one's own personal amusement and purposes. Essentially, it turns our desires into our idols. And our culture is built around covetousness, around this greed, around idolising things and holding them up as what we think will fulfil us. Fashion and beauty products, cars and motorbikes, fancy houses, shiny new phones and laptops, smartwatches, To throw off the old self is to reject what culture tells us about where our identity is found. To throw off the old self is saying those things, the things that I have and what I do, they don't define me. They don't make me more of a person or a better person. And to have identity in Christ means that there's change not only in ourselves, but in the way that we behave as a result. Verse 8 told us, But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander and obscene talk from your mouth. These are behaviours which damage our relationship with others and destroy Christian community. Anger, malice, slander, all these things are signs of a worldly identity, not of an identity found in Christ. Obscene talk, which isn't just meaning swearing, but crude talk and abusive language which damages and denigrates other people. These things are signs of our old selves, whereas when our identity is in Christ, the way that we treat others should be the same way that Christ treats them. Think of Christ's own commandment to us to love one another as I have loved you. And as a Christian, this also means change in the way that we view others. Verse 11 said, Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. We are all one with Christ. If we have faith in Christ, regardless of where we come from or who we are, we are united in him. But we today, we're still tempted to judge and to stereotype other people. 
For example, those of us who have been Christian for many years or all of our lives, we can be tempted to look down on those who maybe haven't been a part of the church for as long. Maybe we separate people by what they're doing. Uh, You might be a student, we might separate people by what other people are studying or whether they're studying or where they're studying. You could divide others by who's working, who isn't working, by what career point they are at compared to where you're at. We can easily fall into this temptation of looking down on other people in so many different ways, but we must remember that we, as a Christian community in Christ, we are all the same. We have the same identity in Christ. And for none of us, who we are or what we do or what things we have, these don't define us. We are in Christ and that is what defines us. We are all defined by Christ and what he has done. And then having put off these, these old clothes, these old behaviours which mark our sinful self, which Paul described there, we then put on the new clothes of our identity in Christ. And the final verses of Colossians 3, verses 12 to 14, describe this. I'll, I'll read those out again. It said, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. As you've heard before, I'm a big fan of the Narnia books by C.S. Lewis. Uh, The main characters in these books are the Pevensey children, Peter, Susan, Edmund and Lucy. And they visit the, the land of Narnia multiple times through the series. The first time is in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, where they become kings and queens of Narnia. And when they leave Narnia after all their experiences here as kings and queens, they return looking the same on the outside. But they're not the same children who went in. They return as changed people who have been made kings or queens of Narnia and they are forever altered by that experience. Aslan, the character who symbolises Jesus in the books, tells them, once a king or queen of Narnia, always a king or queen of Narnia. Their experiences in Narnia change them irreversibly. Their new identities lead to changed characters. And it is much the same for us now that we have new identities in Christ. Our identity in Christ is seen in the new Christ-like characteristics as opposed to our old traits. These new traits defined in our passage were things like compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. These new traits stand in contrast to the old because in Christ we're no longer the sinful people that we once were. A new identity in Christ means that we have cast off our old sinful nature apart from Christ. Our new identity with Christ, our union with him, results in our hearts being changed, which is seen in these new characteristics. We become compassionate and kind. Our hearts are changed. We become humble and meek. We show patience in trying situations. We become more like Christ. Because union with Christ 
means our identity is in Christ, which means that we are shaped to become more like Christ. Now, in saying that we need to do this, in saying that we need to throw off the old body and put on the new, we have to realise and apply that this isn't speaking about something which would be a cool spiritual goal for monks or hermits or someone to do. It's for us. We sometimes speak about Christian living as a great ideal. It's, it's all inspirational and everything. But when it comes to living our Christian life, sometimes we go into our weeks and it has no impact on how we live our lives. This isn't something which is meant to be hypothetical. The Bible is written to everyday Christians like us about following Christ in every day of our lives. And this means that we go from church into the rest of our weeks, into the rest of our lives, seeking to live every single day in a more Christ-like way. And that will practically look different in each one of our lives. Some people might struggle with the way that they treat their families. Whether you're a spouse, a parent or a child, when you interact with your family, do you think that they see the new person remade in the image of Christ? Or do they see a grumpy spouse, a short-tempered parent or a stubborn child? For some, it might be the way that you act in your work environment. Maybe you're easily shaped by the culture around you and you act and speak which shows the values of the world, not the values of Christ. Maybe that comes out in swearing and crude jokes when you're hanging out with your workmates. Maybe you've got a position where you can make some questionable ethical choices, but it makes your boss happier, it puts your career forward a bit. Or maybe you're a young person, do your non-Christian friends know that you're a Christian? Would the people at uni or school recognise you if they saw you here at church? What does your typical weekend look like? It's easy to be at church on a Sunday looking like an A-grade Christian, but then through the week living a completely different life. And I know that it's impossible to be perfect, right? Don't be discouraged that we're not here yet because none of us are there yet. But this process of putting off the old and putting on the new is just that. It's a process, right? Being in Christ means growing in Christ. And that language of growing that Scripture uses all throughout is, doesn't mean an immediate result. Growing is a process. We're called to continually put off the old and put on the new. As Adam spoke about last week, union with Christ means that we have Christ in us through the Holy Spirit. And he is constantly shaping and growing us in light of that new identity. We grow in Christ, not through our own power, not because we're really good Christians and we're really good at living it out through our lives. No, we grow in Christ through his power, through reliance on him. And that's hard. But just because it is hard doesn't mean we should give up. We strive to be more Christ-like people because that is our true nature and identity now that we have new life in Christ. You may have heard of a man called Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer was one of the leading Christian voices against the Nazi regime within Germany. He was one of the first to speak out from the church and he kept on speaking out until he was imprisoned as a result. And then just before the end of the war, he was quickly tried and executed before he could be liberated. 
He was a man who really lived out what it means to have your identity in Christ. And he, he wrestled with this challenge of living it out also. He wrote a poem called, Who Am I? And in it he writes, Who am I? This or the other? Am I one person today and tomorrow another? Am I both at once a hypocrite before others? And before myself a contemptible, woebegone weakling? Or is something within me still like a beaten army fleeing in disorder from a victory already achieved? Who am I? They mock me, these lonely questions of mine. Whoever I am, thou knowest, O God. I am thine. These are incredible, deep words which give us inspiration today, 80 years after his death. Whoever we are, whatever we've done, whatever our shortfallings and failings, these don't form our identity because we are God's. We are in Christ and he is our identity. He is where we find our meaning and our fulfilment. So let's jump back to our question from the start. Who are you? What is your identity? The Bible teaches us that if your faith is in Christ, your identity is found in him. I'm in Christ, so I'm forgiven. I'm loved. I'm redeemed. I'm a new creation and I'm a new self in Christ. We have been raised with Christ. So let's put to death that sinful self and put on the new self that we have in him. This is a new identity which we put on every day, which has changed who we are and which constantly grows us and shapes us to be more like Christ. Is this your identity? Are you experiencing the freedom which unity in Christ brings? Have you died to your old self and put on the new identity in Christ? If not, that is the best choice you could ever make. And we, I want, we would love to speak to you after the service. If you want to put your identity in Christ and you haven't done that yet, or you're wrestling with that, or you feel that you have, but you're struggling to live that out, please come and talk to us after the service because that is the most important decision you can ever make. Because union with Christ means that you are in Christ. And Christ is in you. And that is the most important truth you could ever hear. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for bringing us here this morning. Thank you that we can come here to worship you and glorify you and be changed by your word, Lord. Father, I pray that um, you'll take these words which I have spoken, Lord, and that you'll apply them to all of our hearts, that you'll use them in the way that you want, that your spirit will change and shape each of us individually in the, in the way that you intend, Lord, and that we'll be constantly remade and renewed in identity in you, Lord. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Church, let's stand together and respond in song.